Sign up on there. There's something I'm going to get. I have no idea. 
Sunday and this evening, we're going to actually sing that hymn together. So we're just going to ask you to stand all over the house as those will make their way up front. And let's just sing that together. We'll sing the wonder.
all those joining online, we welcome you to church at this time. We're going to ask all of those here tonight if you would take just the next few moments. And we're going to ask you to meet and greet those around you. And then we'll come right back and worship together. Amen. together we're going to jump right back into worship this evening we're going to sing an old praise chorus it simply says praise him praise him in the morning praise him in the noontime praise him when the sun goes down let's sing together will we
worship the Lord and sing this old song. You won't leave here. In Jesus' name. Well, I don't know what's happening to that screen there. So let's sing together this old song together. For you won't leave
worship the Lord. Let's sing this old song together. For it's your sweet Holy Spirit, sweet heavenly dove,
your hands lifted all over the house this evening. Can we just sing that? It's your sweet It's the sweet heavenly dove. to the Lord tonight. Are you tonight? That the Lord, He still will give us His sweet Holy Spirit. And He'll still come whenever we need it most. He knows how to come. We least expect it. I know that you know it's a weekend, it's a it's a holiday weekend. Probably traveling, going to and fro their destination. But you know what? I'm thankful God never takes a day off. You know, we need those days off. I thank God God never takes a day off. He takes a day off. So I, I, uh, I want us to sing this together. We're singing, oh, how I Wonderful. Been wonderful to you.
you take about the next 30 seconds and can you just love on the Lord and tell him how much he means to you. You don't need me to pray. Can you just, wherever you are, can you just say, God, take about 30 seconds and you just let the Lord know how much you love him. Glorify his name together. In Jesus' mighty name. Father, we love you. We magnify your name. Know that you inhabit the praise. We feel you in this house today. Thank you for being a good father, faithful friend. Things closer than brother. Thank you for being our El Shaddai. God, thank you for being our Jehovah Rapha and our Jehovah, Jehovah Nisi. God, we thank you that you're our provider, our banner, our healer, our buckler. Oh, we thank you, Holy Ghost, that you're God, and you're still in control, and you're still sitting earth and the earth is your footstool and the heavens declare the glory of the land, the land of the living and we thank you Lord for that today and we glorify your name we magnify the name of the Lord in Jesus name we pray can you now just give the Lord a hand clap of praise in the house may be seated if you can, but don't let your down make you decide not to worship anymore, if you don't mind. Oh, the psalmist David said, I was glad when they let us go, Lord. Now, I know that you say, well, pastor, tomorrow I should be camping trip or whatever else. Well, you know, some people have to labor on labor novelty. But, but I have the good Lord that, like I said a while ago, I'm thankful God never takes a day off. I'm, I'm having a bad day. God's not sitting up there. I've been doing this an awful long time. I think today I'd like to just take a day off for a change. I know we need our day off, but I'm thankful I that even when it's o'clock, he's duty, he's just right on time anytime him. Are you thankful for that? I'm thankful that I serve a God who's always there when I need him most. If you have your Bibles, go to chapter 13. Let me remind you one more time, those that are going to eat Wednesday night with the Wednesday night fellowship meal, 645 to 650 will serve you dinner. We're having Bible study at 7 forgive you spiritual manna, but we're going to help your tummy before that a little bit. This Already had fish jumping. Other people are already making stuff and buying stuff and getting it together. She said, if we have 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 100, the Lord will provide. I said, well, we got Jesus that comes to Sunday. Just have Brother James pray over it and he'll start multiplying all over. We'll make it work somehow. You know, not everybody has Jesus go to church with them like we say to you that we'd love to have you. We, I know many of you have signed up, but if you forgot to, just you can come we'll feed you and more importantly God to feed us when we continue our study of the book of James we want you to be a part we obviously have due to work schedules and travel as you see our entire band is slid over chairs everywhere I don't normally sit on this side of the stage last time I think before coming to this church that I sat on that side of the stage it was about five years before I came to this church that I got to sit on that side of the stage I always was on this side of the stage for a long time and I forgot what it felt like to be I miss being in my little cubicle all by myself 
but let me say, I know Brother Tyler and some of them and kind of this morning and Brother Larry as well. If they're watching tonight, hurry home. Please come home. I'm glad you needed vacation. I'm glad you had to work. Don't do it again. So come on. And uh, so we can get everybody back together. And see, since we've had all of us on the stage. And so I don't know about you, but we're a big family up here. We always laugh and cry together other from time to time about what we don't like the day we all love Jesus up here and together and singing together and so I miss brother Larry and brother Tyler when they're not here so if you guys are watching somebody better be here next Sunday in that chair so so miss you guys but uh, but all of other online guests I know some are sick been battling some sickness so we're praying for them uh, as well and and sister you back Well, I want to talk to you on something um, that's been a question in my mind for the last couple months. Not, and when you hear the title of this message here in a moment, you're going to think the pastor has lost his marbles. He doesn't know. But I told you this morning that my new vision, if you will, for 2023 and 2024 is reach, disciple, pray. One person, one family, one community at a time. I can't until we reach the lost. There's nothing in the lost, and they got to learn how to think, gonna keep them going. We you can't reach a community until you reach a family, and you can't reach a family until you reach one of them in the family. So, one family, one person, one family, one community. We started this idea of assignments, we're in a current series called Assignments. And so, both the morning services and night services, there'll be that same theme of assignments, even though there'll be different messages that'll carry us through the Sunday morning segment and the Sunday night segment. But you know, I started this morning talking to you about God's assignment for us is to find, the, the title of the message was Find Me. We got to go find Him. We got to go to the highways and byways. We got to go find people and tell them about Jesus. We got to reach them. That's our assignment. Go ye therefore and baptize and teach them highways and byways, compel them to come. Go get them. That's the assignment. One of the things said not only reach them, disciple them and pray. And so we're going to read this scripture here in Psalms 13, but I'm going to go ahead and give you the title. Why? Why? What if somebody comes to you and says, well, why should I pray? I mean, bad things are happening all around me. Bad things are happening to good people. My world's falling apart. I don't understand. seems like all the bad people are getting away with everything. All those good folks are struggling. Why, why should I even pray? seems like the more I pray and the closer I get to God, the worse it gets. Well, let me tell you before we finish this message tonight, when that happens, don't take it personal, but rejoice. Because the devil's not going to fight against anything that he's not afraid of. So if you're drawing closer to God and he's fighting harder, then that means he knows there's more inside of you than maybe you even know that's inside yourself. I'm serious. I believe that the devil, a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. If the devil's not worried about you, he's not going to bother you. But if he's worried about you, he's going to have an all-out assault and attack on you. You say, Pastor, I don't know why I'm going through what I'm going through. Why it seems like everything's falling apart. Lift up your hands and lift up your head, O ye gates. And be lifted up, ye everlasting doors, that the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? It is the Lord God Almighty. I'm telling you, when the enemy comes in like a flood, God will raise a standard against him. When it gets bad, just drop to your knees and say, God, I don't know how I'm going to 
going to do it. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. But I know that he who's begun a good work is faithful to complete it until the very end. And though he slay me, yet still will I serve the Lord. Why should I pray? Because God is always just one prayer away on my behalf. So Psalms chapter 13. Let's we stand if you can for the reading of God's word. This is David talking to How long will you forget about me? How long will you hide your How long shall I take counsel in my soul having so daily? How long be exalted over me? God hear me. This is the psalmist praying. God are you not listening? Enlighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say, I have prevailed against him. I won. Let those who trouble me remove. God, I have trusted in your mercy. My heart shall rejoice in salvation. Sing unto the Lord, because he has been good to me. Or he has bound with me. So I pose into this body. Seriously. Why pray? If bad things are happening, if things are going wrong anyway, seriously, why pray? Because I will sing unto the Lord even in the middle of my distress because God has been good to me. It may be all hell assault against my family. My checkbook might be in disarray. My finances might be struggling. My children might be struggling. But if I get up in the morning and I get to lay my head on a pillow at night, I will sing of the Lord because once again, one day at a time, sweet Jesus, God has been good. I wonder if those online and those in the house tonight can contest that God has been good to you. God has to God has kept you. God has been good to us, church. He's been good. He's been good. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, to the best of my ability, let me hear heaven and speak your word. Hide me behind the cross of Calvary. Let your name, Lord, be exalted above all. Take a coal from the altars of heaven and anoint these lips of clay that I may only saith the word of the Lord. Father, I pray you would open eyes, hearts, and ears. Let us not only be hearers of the word, but doers there likewise. And I will forever give you the praise, glory, and the honor that is due your name. And let the body of Christ together say amen. Amen. Can we one more time appreciation until the Lord is your seated tonight. And let him know how much you love him today. Bless you. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Psalms chapter 13, the chapter we just read was written by King David at a time where he sought answers from the Lord. Many scholars speculate that David wrote this particular psalm in many of his hiding voyages from the rage of the narcissist known as King Saul. And David is in a somewhere thinking unto himself, I've been here before. Every time it seems good in palace life, Saul's out to kill me. 
I've ran. I've had to have Jonathan shoot bows and arrows to tell me how long to stay away. I've had to run into caves and hide because he's ha he's got basically a bounty on my head. I've cut the skirt off of his go royal garment because I know he was at one time God's anointed and I wasn't going to slay him. And I stood across the valley and said, Saul, I had you in my hands, but I could have took you out a long, long time ago. And I'm wondering if in this cave David starts reflecting the times that he sat on his backside of a Judean hillside in green pastures and he watched sheep uh, along the meadows play and he'd strum on his harp and he would play things like the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want and he makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters and he restores my soul he'll lead me in paths of righteousness for yea though I the shadow of death I don't evil for you're with me your rod and staff have comforted me before me in the presence of my enemies whether it's King Saul or the Philistines God you prepared a table and my cup runneth over in this cave if David thought about the times he said I'll praise him in the morning and I'll praise him in the noonday and I'll praise him in the evening I'll praise him with the high sounding cymbals and the flutes and the timbrels the dance and the lyres and the harp let everything that have breath let them praise the Lord I wonder if David sat there and thought about God is good in the morning he has his loving kindness endures forever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And he is high above all things. Oh, let us magnify the Lord and let us exalt his name together. But in this moment, his prayer is not that. His prayer is why. Why, God? I go to church. I sing songs. I was a worship leader on the church praise. I was in the band. God, I was faithful. I never usurped authority. I never tried to take over. I tried to follow the leading of the leadership of the day. And God, my world's falling apart. I haven't seen my family. My friends are all deserted me. My wife is Saul's daughter, and I can't even go back to her right now. She's still in the palace, and I'm out here running around and like, you know, scared to death, don't know what to do. I was the king's son-in-law. Now the king wants me dead. God, why? My enemies are after me, and they're trying to say, yes, I won. I have prevailed against him. God, I have sang your praises. And David, in this moment, begins to think about all these moments of time in his life that have been, if you will, struggles. He's at a low point. He's asking God to step onto a scene. I don't want you to raise your hand, but how many times have we been places like that? Where we've been on spiritual highs and everything is the best it can possibly ever be. But it seems as quickly, Sister Ann, as we've been on the mountain, it's like in the middle of an instant moment like that. We're in the valley. We didn't even see it coming. One phone call out into the valley. One, one bill in the mail takes me from the mountain to the valley. One spouse walking in saying they don't love me anymore and they found somebody else takes me from the mountain to the valley. One child getting arrested. Falling from grace and falling from their, 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 if you will, their spiritual journey. Or, or one child having a, a pre-planned, a pre, a an unplanned pregnancy and, and having a grandchild that I didn't even know I was going to have because of, of activities that took place. One moment changed everything like that. One moment everything seemed good and we're having Thanksgiving turkey and dressing together. And by Christmas not everybody's at the table anymore. Just like that. David, no doubt, was at a low point. 
I would probably suffice to say if I polled this entire audience and had someone watching the computer and commenting live back and forth to our online church guests, I guarantee you everybody, if they've been saved longer than one day, have experienced some challenging days along this journey. You know, some people, Brother James, when it gets hard, they quit. You know, I was talking to our leadership team yesterday. You got cop-outs. You got drop-outs. You got all-outs. Cop-outs, they just don't want to do nothing at all. Drop-outs, they start it, but then they get about halfway through and decide this ain't for me, and they quit. All-outs, they go all the way through. No matter how hard it gets, they finish the job. The reality of it is some people treat their spiritual journey like that. When it gets hard, they cop out. They see people from a distance like, oh, I don't want to get saved. I don't want to give up my lifestyle. They go ahead and shut it down before they even start it. Some people are, ha- are, are what I call dropouts. They start this Christian race. If you really thought long and hard, you probably got some you know, whether it's in your family or even went to church with. They started running the race well. But the Bible doesn't say he who starts the race well. It says he who finishes well. It's not how you start the race. It's all about how you finish the race. It doesn't matter if you're five or you're 50. It just your number. You cross the finish line well. So that you hear well done. Thy good and faithful servant enter into the joys of the Lord. David no doubt is probably thinking I, I've ran this race well. I mean, what more can I do? I tithe, I I go to church, I do all these things. And yet still in this moment, the enemy is on my back. Now I want to say to you this evening, before we get too far, you know me, by now if you've been here this church long enough, if you've been here more than one Sunday, you're going to learn real quick that uh, sometimes I'm not here to make friends. Sometimes I feel like God tells me what I'm supposed to say, Brother James, and I let it fall where it falls. I try not to preach personal opinions. I try not to preach political candidacies. I preach on political political issues, but not candidates. I just leave it at where it's at. People in God can decide. I know there's a wide array of opinions in a room. I've often said opinions are like belly buttons. Everybody gets one. Everybody gets a choice here. You don't have a belly button, we got to talk because something went wrong. So you're you're a phenomenon we haven't seen here on this earth. There is such thing as extraterrestrial life forms. You must be E.T. phoning home because you should have some kind of little belly button right here. So, you know, I'm not here to make friends, but this is what I thought about, Brother James, when I was thinking about this. Sometimes we give the devil a whole lot more credit than he deserves. We always are quick to say it, well, the devil said, and the devil made me do it. The devil's been on my back. You know, I've often, I've been to some testimonial service. Please don't judge the preacher hard. But I've been to where they had old-timey days, like 1995. Um, They had testimonial services. We called them popcorn services. Pastors would get up there before he preached or during the offering and said, I just want anybody tonight got a word for the Lord. Got something they'd like to give God praise for. We used to do it at our church at Ridgeville all the time. I used to think, what if somebody don't have one? How, how is this going to go? What if the preacher gets to say, anybody got a word from the Lord and we hear crickets? Like, do you, is it like egg on your face at that moment? Do you just keep going? What do you do if everybody just goes, uh, not me? You know, and then, you know, I've been to those services, the preacher's like, oh, come on, I know God's been good to somebody, and everybody's like looking, and finally somebody says, well, I guess I'll start. Well, what a way to get us off the ground. You sound so excited to get up. Well, I guess I'll start it. No, you don't have to. Don't put yourself out. But I've heard, Brother James, in these testimonies, well, church, I just want to tell you, man, this week, the devil's just been on my back. You know, as a kid, 
sitting right here at the pen, I'd be playing I Surrender All or Jeopardy theme songs, and they don't know it. Don't tell my dad. But there's been many days I ran out of a hymn, so I started playing show tunes, and he didn't even know it. Jeopardy, Sesame Street, Wheel of Fortune, I've done them all. It sounded good. If you play them slow enough, it's anointed. It works every time. But I've played those songs, and I've heard the devil's been on my back, and I'd sit there, Sister Brendan at the piano, and I'm thinking, well, why didn't you tell him to get off? I mean, this is just me as a 16, 17-year-old kid. I'm thinking, the devil's been on my back. Well, how'd he get up there? I mean, I remember as a kid, I'd jump on my dad's back spontaneously, but if he really didn't want me on there, it did not take him long to disarm me from his back real quickly. I'd jump on, he might bend over, and about that time, he'd throw his arms like this real fast, and I'd be flying across the room, hit the bed, and he'd be like, boy, don't you ever jump on my back like that again. It didn't take him long to get me off the back. See, sometimes I think we allow that statement to be a crutch to excuse the behavior. Oh, the devil's been on my back. Well, why don't you get him off the back? Because the Bible said that you can resist the enemy and he will flee from you. I didn't say that. That's what the Bible says. That good old B-I-B-L-E that we talked about. Oh, he's been on my back. I've heard people say, well, you know, I just the devil fighting against me and then they start start testifying what the devil's been doing and I'm thinking that has got nothing to do with the devil that has to do with stupidity the devil ain't got nothing to do with that you just can't think well I'm tell you what pastor the devil's been fighting me I got in the car to come to church this morning the car wouldn't crank it was out of gas that ain't the devil's fault you the dummy didn't go to the gas station don't blame the devil for siphoning your gas he ain't siphoning gas and taking it back for something to use it for. You forgot to stop at Murphy at Walmart and put gas in the car. That's your fault, not the devil's fault. I've heard them all. Well, the devil's been fighting real hard, preacher. I, I, I got in the car this morning. I was on the way. I got a flat tire. I knew they were bald, and that last time I got my tires rotated, Walmart told me I needed to replace my tires because they really I, they could start seeing the shrapnel of the, of the tire in there, and they knew it was closed. But I didn't get them changed, and it went flat and blusted on me this morning. Don't say the devil blew out your tire when you knew they were going bad. That's just common sense. More credit than he deserves. Devil credit for anything. None of it. The only person that should get any praise, glory, accolades, or credit is him. That's it. And so David's at this low point. We have been at low points, and we have prayed. Sometimes when you pray, have you ever felt like you're praying to a brick wall? It's like you're praying, and it's bouncing all over the ceiling, and it just comes right back and hits you in the face, and you're like, I didn't get very far. Sometimes you, Sister Ann, you might be walking the dog and you're just talking to God and you're thinking, why am I doing this? God ain't, you know, for today, yesterday the birds were chirping and I heard from God. Thank you, Jesus. Today, the birds ain't said nothing. God ain't going on today. Sometimes we have these moments where we're praying and God's nowhere to be found, it seems like. Is anybody, I don't want you to raise your hand. I don't want you to incriminate yourself and then me have to pray for you right now. But, I wonder if anybody's ever asked God why in a prayer before. God, why did you let this happen? God, why did it have to be this way? God, why did I have to walk this road? God, why did you not intervene? 
God, why didn't you heal? God, why didn't you sustain? God, why? It ends like this. And sometimes we're not going to get the answer this out of heaven. We're not. But that doesn't mean God didn't have an answer. Just because we didn't get it here does not mean God didn't have one over there. God's always got an answer. Now, we don't always like God's answers. Yes, no, maybe, wait. All those. Some we like, some we don't. We don't like no. We don't like maybe. We don't like wait. We like yes, 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 yes. What if we say, hey, God, kill my enemies? We like that, yes. But what if your enemy's praying for God to kill you? <laughs> we don't want him to say yes then, do we? We want him that time to say no, right? Maybe you, maybe you differ. I don't know. If I'm praying for my enemy, God, just take him out. And God says yes. My enemy says him out. And God says yes. I want to be like, whoa, now, I wish you'd have said no that time, God. You can use no now. It's a good word now. You know? How do we pray? See, people think praying is all about a, a spiritual conversation with God to get this glorified Christmas wish list from heaven. No. Prayer is communication with God. It is our dialect, if you will, that opportunity just like you have with a spouse or a, or, a, or a child or any kind of relationship. You communicate, you talk. Prayer is that, that, that language, if you will, or that communication aspect between God and man. But it's not about you having a genie in a bottle to just ask for stuff all the time. Prayer is not designed, now lay me down to sleep, a Lamborghini I'd like to keep. If I should die before I wake, please don't let my enemies take my car away. I mean, we don't, we don't, that's not what it is about. You know, if we treat God like that, God, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want, I need, I need, I want, I want, I need. Then we say, amen, we walk off, and God's like, I had a few things I'd like to say. <laughs> Do I get a vote in this since I'm the one providing all these benefits? You see, prayer is a weapon. It's a tool that God can use to destroy the enemy. See, I've heard... Songs about praise is a weapon, prayer is a weapon, and I believe that. I believe when you pray the prayer of faith, things happen. I believe that. I still believe in divine healing. I still believe in the in the physical body of the saints of God, that God can bona fide heal people through the power of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. I believe that. I believe what the book of James says, you call the elders of the church, you anoint the person, that if there's any sick among them, let them come, call the elders of the church, let them pray the prayer of faith, and the Bible says the sick shall die and not recover. No. It says the sick shall recover. Now, God might take some of them home, but some of them he's going to heal. I believe that. I don't believe that was just for them. I believe that's now. If I thought it was just for them, then what's the point of praying? And I believe that. We go through laws. God's a million miles away. We ask why. We start to question God. Bad things are happening. Why should I pray? Well, we may not get to all these tonight. We'll pick up some of these next time. But I'm going to give you five, not all tonight, so you'll have to come back next week to get the rest of them. I'm going to give you five weapons against the schemes of the enemy. Five prayerful weapons. How to use prayer. Five ways. And chop that low-down slew-foot sucker of a devil and kick, to, kick his front two teeth out and say, get on behind it where you belong and get out of here, devil. See, I, I'm not interested in cohabitating with the devil in the, my heart, in my, the house of my heart. I'm not interested in, in a roommate other than the Holy Spirit. I don't need the devil to move in un, 
unpack his boxes, get a room in one part of my heart, and make residency and start having to pay rent inside my heart. No, no, I want to evict him out of my life, and I want the Holy Spirit to be the only person living in the heart. I'm putting, you know, I don't want, I want the devil to be on eviction notice, not, not asking can he purchase the house for, because it's for sale. So five prayerful weapons to use against the enemy. The one, the first one is God's word. I mean, you can't get much better of a tool than the sword of the spirit. That's about the best you got. You can duke it out like Muhammad Ali with the devil and float like a butterfly and sting like a bee. But we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We don't wrestle against physical things. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and rulers of darkness and heavenly places and spiritual wickedness in high places. We're not here fighting one-on-one. Now, sometimes the enemy tries to divide the body of Christ, but this battle is not me and you. It's not me and that church across town or that church across the street. It's about God. It's a spiritual battle. It ain't always about me and you. But the devil tries to make it and shift it. But the Bible said God's not the author of confusion and division. It is for the brethren. God's not interested in bickering and gossiping and slandering Christ. God's interested in us being a coalition and coming together and being one. There's neither Jew nor Greek, male or female, bondservant nor free man. For we are all one in God. No division. None. And the devil hates the word of God. He hates it. Jesus goes to a wedding in Canaan. You know the story, and he performs this miracle, water and the wine. But before he went to that wedding, the Bible said after he got baptized by John, he was led into the spirit. I think it's Matthew chapter 5, somewhere in that window. Uh, he was led in the, in the wilderness, or Matthew chapter 4. He was led in the wilderness. He was led by the spirit of God to a deserted, a deserted place. Don't miss the first sentence of that chapter. The spirit of the Lord led him into the desert. Not every desert is seasoned. The devil puts you in. Sometimes the Holy Ghost puts you there. And while we give the devil credit, it is God just trying to get rid of some things out of our lives. We don't like to call it this, but it's called sanctification. And we don't like to preach about that in the Pentecostal churches anymore. But sanctification means a cleansing out and a setting apart for the master's use. Because once I get saved, I might still like that music and I might still like that like that cigarette and I might still like to play the slots from time to time but through a revitalization and a cleansing process God's got to take me out of my bar life take me out of my pimp life take me out of my smoking life take me out of my gambling life and kind of start letting me get into the uh, over here hanging out with people that are more like Jesus and over a process of time he has to lead me in desertous places so that he can cleanse me out for it to be set apart for a, a task that he has for my life the Spirit of the Lord's led and they led. He's been there for 40 days, fasting, praying. And after about 40 days or so, shows up. Yeah, the devil always comes when we're at our weakest moments. He comes bebopping in, his little devious smile, and he says, Hey, Jesus, long time no chat. Last time I saw you, remember we were living together in heaven. You kicked me out. Really didn't like that too much. But aren't you hungry? You hadn't eaten in a long time. Look at these stones. Wouldn't they look like a really good Texas Roadhouse or a Logan's hot yeast roll with that honey cinnamon butter? 
Don't you think these stones turning into hot yeast rolls and cinnamon butter would be good right about now? You know I couldn't have been Jesus. I'd have turned them suckers in right then. I'd have been, yes, yeah, slather them, cover them. I want it to be so, I want it dripping wet with that stuff. But I want them hot, but dripping wet with that butter. He said, would you not, why don't you turn them into bread? Jesus did not rebuke the devil in the flesh. He quoted the word of God. You cannot fight the devil with fleshly tools or fleshly weapons. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to God for the pulling down of strongholds. You can't take a physical weapon and fight the devil. It ain't going to work. Jesus couldn't do. He knew his flesh was weak. For the flesh is, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus knew he was hungry, but he knew the flesh would give in. But the spirit, not the flesh weapons, the carnal weapons, but he had to have a supernatural weapon that the devil didn't see coming. He said, devil, you know this. Man does not live by bread alone, but he lives from the words that come forth from out of the mouth of God. The devil takes him to the temple. He takes him to God's house. Can I just tell you that sometimes the devil does come to church? You let that sink in. You'll get where I'm about to go with this just in a minute. Not everybody comes to church is saved. Sometimes there's the devils in disguise in the people. <laughs> the problem is if they can sit comfortably in the church and not squirm and not be uncomfortable because the bloodline has been drawn and the Spirit of the Lord makes habitation in the room, if they can sit in here and nothing happen, then obviously we're doing a bad job of having the Spirit of the Lord in our house because the devil don't like to sit with Jesus very long. So if they can sit through an hour or an hour to an hour and a half worship service and don't feel nothing, chances are maybe we didn't have nothing either. Hello. If I can go, God, don't let me do this. If I can go to a church that has every light, every smoke, every fog machine, every band, every instrument you can think of, and I look like I'm going to a David Crowder concert, except David Crowder ain't there. Hello, preacher. You know where I'm about to go with this. And my pastor can get up there in his latest fad, his latest shoes, his latest designer clothes, his latest sports jacket, his latest ball, get, ball jersey, whatever he wants to wear. You know, that's between them and God. I'm not here saying that. But if I can go there and I can feel like the same place I was at Saturday night, boy, it got quiet. I'm, I feel condemnation in this house tonight. I can sit in a Sunday morning worship service and feel like I was at the same place Saturday night that I there were lights flashing and smoke doing and music playing and ain't nobody. There should have been a lot of praying. There wasn't no praying. And I can walk into that house of worship on Sunday morning and feel like I am the same as I was on Saturday night at that location. Something went wrong. Hello, preacher. You can be quiet on me, but I'm telling you the truth and you know it. Lightness and darkness don't bide together. There's got to be a separation that this is of the world and this is of God. And there should be no way where we think, oh, I think we can blend these together. No, no, no. Darkness and light don't cohabitate together. I'm not saying if you have a lighting system, you're going to hell. I'm not saying if you have special effects from time to time. Ago. I'm not saying if you have a good bed. What I'm telling you is, but if they can go to the club on Saturday and your worship service on Sunday and they don't feel a difference, you might want to check how you're doing worship service because God may not be in that same house with you. 
You can emotionally get them to jump, cry, jump, stand, do all this spiritual Zumba all you want to, but you're raising a generation of spiritual, emotional people, not a discipleship people, a people of discipleship. Jesus gets to the church, the temple. They stand at the top of the temple. Satan says, Jesus, jump off of it. Just jump. The Bible says, see, the devil's cunning. He's smart. He lived in heaven. Jesus had the word. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God, and the word was God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only of the begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The devil lived with the word of God for years. He knows who wrote the book. He's not a moron. He said, Jesus, we at church jump off because it is written. You have the angels of charge over you. They will not dash against the stones. Pretty impressive. The devil knows more scripture than most church people does. Good. Oh, boy, I could have went there. God, let me run fast. It's sad that the devil knows more about Jesus than we do. Come on, church. We're living in a day and an hour where the devil knows more about how God should operate than the church people know how God should be operating. And the Bible says, Jesus said, don't you put the Lord to your God to a feeble-minded test. You don't test the Lord your God. It's written, the earth is the Lord. You don't test God. You love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This, you, but this belongs to God. The devil leads him. To a plateau or a mountainside. He says, Jesus, final chance. Just bow down for one second. Just one second and worship me. Just bow down for one second. Just cave, Jesus. Jesus said, Satan, it is get behind me now, for it is written, You shall serve the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. You, you cannot fight the devil on your own merit, on your own accord, on your own volition. You better know the word of the Lord. You better know. That's why the Bible says that in that same self hour when I don't know how to pray, that the Holy Ghost of God, that same self hour will pray for me. That's why the Bible says that in those moments that I'm, I'm struggling and life is struggling, that's why the Bible said the Holy Spirit will be a revelator. He'll come into that moment and he'll reveal to me and teach me those things which I have committed to memory. I may not can quote it. I may not can tell you it's John 3.16. I may not can tell you it's John 4 and 8 or 1 John 3 and 6 but I can tell you I know that uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son for the wages of sin is death I mean I can tell you where in Romans but I can tell you that the wages of sin is death but the free gift of God is eternal life I may not be able to tell you the reference but I can say that this is the victory that we have even our faith that God is a God of love he who begins the good work is faithful to complete it therefore there's no more condemnation that no Christ Jesus devil you can remind my past but I'll tell you the future cup of God the dead in Christ shall rise first and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up into the portals of glory so shall we ever be with the Lord and when the trump of God shall sound the clouds of glory will roll back and come in in white raiment there'll be Jesus that'll step down and he will bind you up for a thousand years and we will go to heaven once and for all devil you're not going to win this thing you're not going to win you say, Pastor, I can't remember where those references are. Great! Half the time, neither do I. But I know they're in the book. Because I've read it. 
You can't beat the devil with flesh weapons, weapons of carnality. You only beat him by the supernatural weapons. Pastor, how is the word of God a supernatural weapon? Well, let me tell you using God's word. For the word of God is active, powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing and dividing joints and marrow, and knows the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's in the book of Hebrews. For the weapon. It tells us that God's word is a sharp two-edged sword. Can pierce through all of the minutia of life. And can get to the heart of the matter. It can do spiritual open heart surgery on someone. It's like a scalpel. That do its two-edged sword. In the original Greek, it was like the same thing of a surgical scalpel. A scalpel that you could literally perform surgeries with. That's what it represented. You say, you say well, Pastor, how is it possible... How is that, 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 that going to help me? Because the Bible tells us to put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, shoes shod with the gospel of peace, the shield of faith. But I carry the, sword, the word of God, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of the shield's not a weapon. It's a protector. It keeps me to darts and to not let the devil win there's a reason that my back is exposed because God didn't want me to be exposed be taking, tucking my tail and running he wanted me to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord stand firm you never hear of the back plate of righteousness you only hear of the breastplate of righteousness because God doesn't want us running from the enemy he wants us to stand still and say I'll stand still and see the salvation of the Lord he wants us to say stand right there and say vengeance is mine saith the Lord I will repay devil you can come at me any way you want to anyhow you want to but if God be for me I'm going to stand right here, devil. You're not going to take me out this time because God is on my side. If you start shooting, I'm putting up the shield of faith because I know what his word says. But when the devil lets down his guard, the only weapon mentioned in the full armor of God is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. If you don't know the word, how are you going to swing the sword? If you don't know the word, how are you going to use the sword? If you don't know the word, how are you going to know how to operate the sword? You're not going to have any weapon to fight. But I'm telling you, when you put your face back into this word and you start committing to memory the things which enemy comes in you'll know like a flood god will raise a standard against him you'll know that god is for you who can be against you you will know that comes my way you can have confidence god will see you through to the end miss carol as you make your way the word the word of god is active Word of God is able. Word of God is the resource to overcome the enemy. Say, Pastor, why should I pray? I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to be like Jesus for a moment. Many times when Jesus was presented a question, by somebody whether it was a disciple whether it was someone in the crowd many times when Jesus was presented a question you know what he did he answered the question with a question go back and read it through the gospels Jesus we got all these people here they're hungry 
How are we going to feed them? You know what Jesus said? What do you have? <laughs> Good question. Question to question. Jesus would always ask a question back, and the Pharisees would ask him a question. Jesus, should we pay taxes to Caesar? Or should we pay taxes to God? What say ye, Jesus? He said, who's on the coin? Question. A question. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and the things that are God to God. It was, well, who's on the coin? Who's on the coin? He'd ask a question with a question. I want to say to you tonight, you say, well, Pastor, why? my life's going crazy. Why should I pray? Let me play Jesus for a minute. Why not pray? Why not? For every person that says, Pastor, why should I trust God? Why should you not? Why should I commit my life to Christ? Why shouldn't you commit your life to Christ? Why should I pray for God to give me guidance and direction? Well, why shouldn't you pray for God to give you guidance and direction? Pastor, why should I pray for God to, to mend this broken relationship that's been severed for many years? Why wouldn't you pray to God to help you figure out how to fix it? Why not? Pastor, you don't understand. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what I've been through. I don't, but he does, so why not talk to him? I don't know how hard you've been. I don't know how bad it's been. I don't know how awful it's been. I don't know how you're feeling, but God does. Why not talk to him? You know, people come all the time to my office. They want to pray. They want me to pray or they want me to counsel them, talk to them, and I don't mind. In fact, I got a couple folks coming in this week on Tuesday. And I don't mind. I love it. I love being able to help people. It's my heart. I love helping people. Sometimes I'll listen to their stories and I'm just thinking, you don't need me to pray. You pray. I don't mind praying with you. But I can't be in this battle. I can be like Aaron and her was to Moses. I can hold you up in prayer. But you got to be the one doing the battle. You got to fight the battle. You got to rage war against the enemy of your soul. You got to pray. I'll pray with you. But you got to do something too. Say, I'm a firm believer. You resist the devil, he will flee from you. I'm a firm believer in God's word. I have seen God do it too many times. I have. I've seen God find, as I described to you all this morning, I've seen God find wallets that shouldn't have been found twice. I've seen people get healed by cancer. I've seen people get healed by other diseases that doctors said they had or had shoulder issues and Shouldn't have been able to praise the Lord, but God's healed them of those things. I've seen that stuff. Some of you probably have stories even greater than that. I've seen stuff. So I want to tell you this before we close tonight. Prayer is that language, that communication that you and God, it gives you the opportunity to talk. The Bible says like Abraham, Moses, they talk to God as a friend considered friends of God the psalmist David same one that wrote Psalms 13 wrote this in one of his psalms who am I Lord that you are mindful of me and that you love me that you think about me that you have precious thoughts towards me 
God, who am I? Why, why would you want to think about me like that? God, I'm nothing special. Why me? Why me? Now I can imagine God sitting in heaven thinking to myself, to himself, why not you? I created you. I formed you. I fashioned you. I breathed life into you. I fashioned you from the dust of the ground. Why would it not? Why would I not think something special about what I created? For every time the devil tells you, well, why would God? Why would God want to answer this? Or why would God do this? You remind him because I am fearfully and wonderfully made, fashioned and shaped by God's own hand. Why would God not want to help his own child? If your child come up to you and really needed something, you don't say, get off of me. I'm not buying it for you. Go figure out how to buy it yourself. I'm not talking about a want. I'm talking about a need. If your child needed something. It's the same way with God. God's not sitting up in heaven trying to say, just get on shoe off. Quit bothering me. He loves it when we come to him talk to him. So before we pray, here's what I want to leave you with. Before we talk about any of the other four, five, not the total five, but the other four weapons, prayerful weapons to combat the enemy and the schemes of the enemy, I'm going to ask you to do something this week that's out of the box probably. I want you to find one book of the Bible. You can do Proverbs, you can do John, you can do whatever you want to do. I would probably recommend don't do Psalms. There's about 150 of them you got to get through. And Psalms 119 has 176 verses for you to process. So if you're feeling froggy, by all means, go for it. But between now and next Sunday night, I want you to find one book of the Bible. Preferably one bigger than Philemon that only has 13 verses in it, maybe a little bit bigger than that. But I want you to read it this week, completely through. You say, well, Pastor, I don't know what book to start with. Read John. Read the book of John. John gives us about the best picture of what it means for He shows that God, that Christ was God's son, and he shows the redemptive love. He looks at Jesus through the eyes of the beloved Savior. If you don't have a book you can know to read, then read John. I think it's like 21 chapters only. You know, about three chapters a day. Not right hard. About three chapters a day to get you through. Read that. But pick one book this week, and you and God, make it your quiet time. Or if you want to, I'll count you, but you just read that book throughout this week. And when you finish Saturday night next week, or whenever you start, and get it done, when you get to that last chapter, I want you to close that Bible. I want you to put your hand on top of that Bible. Can I borrow your Bible? I'm too lazy to go up there and get mine right now. I'm hungry. I want you to close that Bible, and I want you to put your hand on it. See, when you go to a court of law, they put your hand on a Bible and say, you promise to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help you God. And you're supposed to say yes, and under the you know, penalty of perjury, you're supposed to tell the truth when you go behind that. I want you to make an oath with God. Put that hand on that Bible and say, God, let this word be committed to my memory. I may not remember every way. I may not can quote it exactly. But don't let me forget what I read this week and the gist of what I read this week. God, let this be a covenant between me and you. Word it however you want to. But you put that hand on the Bible and say, God, I promise to do my best to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth the rest of my life. You and God make a pact that you're going to know what this word means because the devil's going to come. He's going to come. You can fight.
can send him back to hell where he belongs. And you don't misread what this preacher says, and I'm going to pray. The devil belongs in hell, not in your life. And you need to send him back to hell where he belongs, and you need to get all of the hellish things in your life out of you and put heaven inside of you. You send him back, you pack him up and ship him out, and you and God get this thing right. Because he's coming, whether you like it or not, God's getting ready to come back. We better be ready. We better be ready. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to pray today for this body of believers. Father, I have laid charge your word to this people today. I have done my best, my very best to communicate the word of God. I know there are countless others that could very more eloquently deliver this message. But God, I'm just a humble servant. Just a humble servant that I'm just submit to you. I'm asking God that in this moment you would let what was said to this body of believers be committed to memory. Let us remember what thus saith the word of Almighty God. Let, let it lay residency in our hearts. God, as we get ready to go from this place to and fro our destination. Father, I pray some may be off work tomorrow when they have activities to do with family and friends. Father, I pray that you would protect them and guide them. Bring us back to the next appointed time. May you bless us and keep us. Your face shine upon us. Be gracious to us. Lift up your countenance towards us and give us the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding and guard our hearts. May the words of our mouth and meditation of our heart be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our strength and redeemer. Body of Christ together said amen. Before we pray our benedictory prayer, let me remind you 6 to 6.50 for dinner on uh, Wednesday night. Regular scheduled services next week, Sunday school at 10, worship at 11, Sunday evening at 6. 6. We will continue to preach on the assignments, the rest of Find Me next week with the word, the letter I, invocation, what it means to pray, what it means to have a communication with God. And we'll continue next week with the second part this series on and in the evening this idea of knowing how to use five powerful weapons that are prayerful weapons against the enemy I'm going to ask Brother Randy Erzberger if you would to lead us in prayer immediately following this prayer you can consider yourself dismissed God bless you tonight